0: Heyd Míla Folta, welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, series 1, episode 12. In the show, we visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. Before we start, do remember that any resources or references we mention in this episode can be found in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 112. So that's all one word, aletterfromireland.com forward slash 112. In today's show, I chose two stories where we will trip back to a time of daring adventures, bravery and exploration of new continents. Are you ready to draw up anchor and head out to sea and sail with some of our Irish seafaring heroes into the vast unknown? Well, hop on board then and let's get going on our adventure. Ahoy sailors! Our first letter today is entitled... A Voyage with St. Brendan. I was in O'Flynn's butcher shop yesterday and something happened to trigger a long forgotten memory. Three memories, in fact. You know, it seems that memories are a little bit like buses, they often come in groups of three. The first of those memories brought me all the way back to my early school days in the seaside town of Crosshaven in County Cork. A Voyage with St. Brendan. Now, word had just come into our classroom that something unusual was going on over in the boatyard. Apparently, they were building an old Irish boat using traditional methods of ash framing and tarred cowhide. Our teacher explained that a local explorer, a man by the name of Tim Severin, was aiming to prove that St. Brendan managed to make his way to the Americas many centuries before the first Vikings. He was using a little sailing currach being put together not a mile from our school to do so. Now, that got the attention more than Irish grammar, I can tell you. By the way, we call this type of old boat a currach, spelt C-U-R-R-A-C-H, and if you saw them lying upside down, they looked like black seals lying on the shore. Now, back to the story. St Brendan was born about 480 AD near what is now known as the town of Tralee in County Kerry. He was born into the Carrigalucra tribe and some of you listeners might be related to this tribe as later surnames that came out of this group from Carrigalucra include O'Sullivan, Scanlon, Lawler, Flaherty, Ferris, Moran, Murta, Brosnan and many more. At the age of 26, St. Brendan was ordained and went on to found a number of monasteries around Ireland. Sometime in his later years, St. Brendan went on a seven-year voyage or pilgrimage, accompanied by a group of his monks in a simple two-mast currug. Luckily, the story of their exploits was captured 200 years later in a Latin text called The Voyage of St. Brendan the Navigator. Now his tale was quite a big hit across Europe back in the day and there was talks of the group coming upon lands full of magic devils and fantastical animals. They eventually find the land they called the Paradise of the Saints after which Brendan returns home and dies. A right set of tales of daring do. In May 1976, Tim Severin and his group not a monk amongst them I might add set out from Brandon Creek and Kerry. They too were in the two mast corruck, built using only the designs and materials available to St. Brendan and his followers. Over the course of eleven months they sailed and rowed first to the Hebrides in Scotland, then on to Iceland, before landing in Newfoundland, with plenty of adventure and luck along the way, but not too much in the way of magic. Tim Severin had shown that it was possible to travel to the Americas from Europe back in St. Brendan's day and all using the navigation techniques and materials of the time. That was some feat indeed. Tim Severin wrote a book of his Brendan exploits which became a bestseller and was translated into 16 languages. Maybe you've read it already. Moving on with our story. A Musical Interlude The second memory triggered for me on that morning standing in O'Flynn's shop cast me back to the evolving music scene of Ireland in the early 1980s. I was always a fan of traditional Irish music, but it seemed with each passing year, more and more interesting things were happening in the genre. In 1980, Sean Davey was inspired by Tim Severin's voyage to compose a work that would combine, wait for it, Irish traditional music and a full orchestra he called his work the Brendan Voyage Suite. I remember hearing it for the first time and something shifted as we saw how an Irish illan pipe could soar and swoop through the supportive framework of a classic orchestra. I think we witnessed that day the start of a new era of Irish music and dance. Which brings me to my final memory from a time 25 years later, and as part of our homeland feature trip, we took to County Clare for one of our green room members. In Craggan there is a boat. The homeland trip was in early 2014. We arrived one morning at Craggan Owen Park, a wonderful place in County Clare that presents itself as an outdoor museum showing times past in Ireland. The tracks around the park take us through ancient Irish settlements and castles, letting us see and touch the life of our Irish early ancestors. Near the end of one track, we came across a glass pyramid. Well, we had to see what was inside, and guess what? There was a replica of a cork boat. Except this was no replica. This was the actual boat that Tim Severn and his crew used to travel all the way from Kerry to Newfoundland back in 1976 and here it sat, retired in dry dock, for all to see and enjoy at close quarters. As I ran my hand over the dry hide of the hull, the smell of the boat conveyed a story that's hard to capture in any words. To look at the slender lines of the craft, her delicate sail and compact size, it was a wonder it was ever let out onto the sea in the first place. And not only that, but to travel those thousands of miles, both intact and in a safe manner. Well, that was just too much to take in. And this was the same boat that was being constructed all those years ago, just a short distance from our classroom in the small Irish seaside village of Crosshaven. If you ever get a chance, do visit this beautiful part of County Clare and run your hands over the hull of this miracle boat for one perfect and immersive history lesson. So there were my three memories, all connected through a personal experience of Irish history. And the event that triggered them in O'Flynn's butcher shop yesterday, I hear you ask? Well, I was chatting with Simon O'Flynn and in walked... Tim Severin himself, now a sprightly 70-something and still sprinkling the words boat and sea through his energetic conversation. I think a good place to finish this story is with the following from the prayer of St. Brendan. Help me to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. Give me the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with you. And so that brings us to the end of our first letter and I hope you enjoyed the sea journey. And did you almost feel the sea spray on your face? Imagine how magical the land of the Americas appeared to St. Brendan all those years ago. I remember learning about St. Brendan and his exploits in school and being very proud that our brave Irish saint and his monks in a small wooden boat crossed the wild Atlantic and landed in America centuries before Columbus in his fine galley ships. Do you have a love of the sea? It's no wonder us Irish love the water, living on an island full of lakes, rivers and surrounded by the sea. I think it's an important part of our Irish identity and heritage and I know it's one of my favourite places and where I'm happiest, on or by the ocean. Well, will we move on to our next letter today, which also relates to another sailor, Now, today's second letter is going to settle on a more chilly theme. In fact, there's going to be a fair mention of icebergs as well as the Antarctic regions. Right then, we're heading down to the frozen regions of the South Pole and we look at three Irish surnames belonging to three remarkable men. So let us continue our seafaring journey with this letter entitled Britons, Quakers and Kerrymen. Mike and I were settling down in front of the TV last night and up came the story of one Ernest Shackleton. In this movie Shackleton was played by the actor Kenneth Branagh. About 30 minutes into the show we were introduced to the Irishman who accompanied Shackleton on his South Pole voyage in 1914. He was Tom Crean from County Kerry. Don't forget that name. Tom Crean. We will return to Tom later in the story. Many people do not realize, however, that both Ernest Shackleton and Kenneth Branagh are also Irishmen. Let's see how their stories combine. Well, Kenneth Branagh was born to Francis Harper and William Branagh in the city of Belfast in 1960. However, by the age of 10, he had moved with his family to England to escape the worst of the escalating troubles in the north. The Irish surname Branna has a very interesting origin. A little bit of history lesson coming up now. The Britons was the name the Romans gave to the natives of most of what we call Britain today. However, these native Britons were pushed further through the west and southwest by the invading Angles and Saxons in the 5th century. The majority of the ancient britons ended up in what we now call wales where their irish neighbors gave them the name of brachnach spelt b-r-e-a-t-h-n-a-c-h brachnach which is essentially the irish or gaelic for britain so the surname brachnach spelt b-r-a-n-n-o-c-k or branna b-r-a-n-a-g-h comes from the irish for britain however you might know the Irish surname by its more common translation into English, which is the Irish surname Walsh, W-A-L-S-H, or Welch, W-E-L-C-H. So, while you might think that Irish surnames are quite complicated, their logic is quite simple at heart. Do you have any Walshes or Brannas in your family tree? Kenneth Branna surmises his own Irish heritage by saying, I'll always be a Belfast lad at heart. From Branagh to Shackleton Branna must have been attracted to the part of Shackleton in the movie as their early family stories were quite similar, both having emigrated to England. Abraham Shackleton arrived in County Kildare from Yorkshire in the early 1700s he immediately set about building a multi-denominational school based on the ethos of his own Quaker faith. Do you have any Irish Quaker ancestors in your family, I wonder? Then, about 150 years later, Ernest Shackleton was born into this same family, to Henry Shackleton and Henrietta Gavin, near the town of Athigh in County Kildare. His father Henry gave up farming when Ernest was a boy and attended Trinity College in Dublin to study medicine. By the time Ernest was 10 the family were ready to migrate to London. Ernest Shackleton was drawn to the sea from an early age and in 1901 he became part of Captain Robert Scott's South Pole Discovery Expedition. The sense of adventure, competition and camaraderie must have had a big impact on Shackleton as he later set up his own expedition to further explore Antarctica and to be the first to reach the South Pole. However, sadly, neither Scott nor Shackleton became the first to reach that pole. Scott and his comrades arrived at the pole on January 17, 1912, only to find that Roald Amundsen had beaten them by just five weeks. Scott and his party perished on the return journey and lie entombed in their tent under meters of sheet ice even today. Shackleton decided to push ahead with another polar expedition, heading off on his ship called the Endurance on the eve of the First World War. The mission was to be the first to traverse the pole from one side of Antarctica to the other. The ship became caught in the ice pack and Shackleton took the decision to abandon the endurance and travel to the nearest inhabited outpost in South Georgia, Ireland, about 750 miles away. The leadership of Shackleton and the ability of his crew eventually returned almost all the crew. There were three fatalities to safety after months of hardship and isolation. Shackleton went on to launch one last Antarctic expedition in 1921 however he died of a heart attack in South Georgia where you can find his grave today. His expedition doctor Alexander Macklin wrote this at the time. I think this is as the boss would have had it himself. Standing lonely in an island far from civilization surrounded by stormy, tempestuous seas and in the vicinity of one of his greatest exploits. Although Shackleton was viewed as an adventurer who never quite made it in his own lifetime, his ability to lead his team under the most ferocious circumstances is celebrated and studied in universities and military establishments around the world today. One day you must come over and visit the county of Kildare. There you can call into the Shackleton Museum or attend the Ernest Shackleton Autumn School held annually to honour Ernest Shackleton and the era of heroic polar exploration. Do you remember I mentioned Tom Crean earlier in the story? Well, let's now return to him. A quiet Irishman Tom Crean was born in 1877 near the village of Annaskal on the Dingle Peninsula in County Kerry. Maybe you've passed through there on your way to Dingle. Like many young men of his time he joined the Royal Navy to see the world. However the adventure he encountered must have given him a taste for more because he volunteered for Captain Scott's first Antarctic expedition in 1901 alongside the young Ernest Shackleton he proved himself well and was a regular for Scott right up until his final 1912 expedition this was the expedition that saw Scott lose out to Amundsen in being the first to reach the South Pole it was also the expedition that led to the deaths of Scott and his small party that made the final dash for the pole It was also during this expedition that Crean travelled solo for 35 miles over the Ross ice shelf to rescue one of his crewmates, a feat for which he was awarded an Albert Medal. When Shackleton came to recruit for the endurance expedition, Crean was a natural choice and joined the crew as second officer. Crean's calmness under pressure, ability with dogs and his toughness were welcome attributes and what was to become a most challenging journey. When Shackleton's endurance was caught in the ice, he looked to a small team to accompany him on the rescue mission back to South Georgia, naturally including Tom Crean. In fact, Crean was also part of the three-man team that made the final overland trek across South Georgia. A later explorer commented, I do not know how they did it, except that they had to. Three men of the heroic age of Antarctic exploration with 50 feet of rope between them and a carpenter's axe. Following this expedition, Crean returned to active service and eventually retired from the Navy in 1920. He married Ellen Hurley and opened a pub in Gall, called, well you never guess the name of the pub, yes, They called it the South Pole Inn. Let me ask you something. Do you have any members of your family who aren't interested in talking of the past? Well, Tom Crean was one of those men. He put his medals away. He never spoke again of his Antarctic exploits. The only clue he gave to his achievements was the naming of his pub, the South Pole Inn. It was only later, as the true accomplishments of Scott and Shackleton were being examined and celebrated, that the part this quiet Kerryman had to play in the survival and success of so many of those expeditions during the heroic age of polar exploration became apparent. Tom Crean died in 1938 and is buried in Annaskal, outside Dingle County Kerry. He has since had Mount Crean, and the Crean Glacier named after him in South Georgia and the Antarctic. Today, if you travel through the small village of Annascall, do drop into the South Pole Inn. It's still a thriving pub and give up a toast for Branagh, Shackleton and Crean. So there we have our two letters from Ireland for today. Have you enjoyed our sea adventures remembering those great Irish men of exploration from St. Brendan to Tom Crean to Tim Severin all part of our collective Irish heritage. Their love of adventure, travel and exploration, and not forgetting their bravery, is part of what unites us as Irish, no matter where in the world we've roamed or settled down through the centuries. Irish people still leave this island to venture out into the world, and though the journey is easier by plane and not in an open-top boat, we still carry with us that sense of adventure flowing through our veins. Well, that's it for this week, and I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show, where we visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. Finally, remember that the show notes for this podcast are available at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 112. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show... We invite you to check out our special membership area called the Green Room. You can find full details of the Green Room at aletterfromireland.com forward slash Green Room. And remember there, Green Room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me, and I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina.